This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik. It's a Friday afternoon, which is usually the time my co-host, Dr. George Lee, joins me for Doctor in the House. Um, but he is on a break at the moment. So today is Be Fit Malaysians Instead, um, which is our regular show with consultant orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Hajit Singh. Dr. Hajit, how are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm very, very well. And uh, I've not been there for some time, so I'm ready to go. Yes, and I suspect that you are not in the studio with us today because you don't want to do yoga with us <laughs> on the show today, which is what we're talking about. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I'm waiting to do this. Mm-hmm. My yeah. wife, Nirma, keeps on telling me that, you know, HS, HS, she calls me HS. So she told me that yoga is the ultimate lifestyle change. All so right. it's not it's not only about moving your body and uh, getting it stronger better balance but there's a lot of lot more to it all right um so we hope to hear more about that uh, on the show today our other guest is Charmaine Ang she's a yoga instructor and we'll be talking about the benefits of yoga um, obviously on our musculoskeletal health um, to start with but also um, how it can affect and be good for our mental well-being and how uh, whether Charmaine if you also think it is the ultimate lifestyle change and of course for our listeners who I, I think if you're already doing yoga perhaps um, you know you, you'll be familiar with everything that we're about to discuss but if you are not uh, a yoga person yet if you're thinking about it if you'd like to start on it uh, what would you need to know about it? So call us with your questions, um, 03-7733-2900. You can also WhatsApp us at our U-Mobile number, 018-789-8899, or tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, perhaps, Charmaine, I could get you to start with explaining what yoga is. Okay. Um, where, um, how, how would you describe it, especially to somebody who doesn't really know it and who might be intimidated by the thought of it? Okay, thanks, Charlie. Um, hi, Dr. Haji. Hi, hi. I think the definition of yoga is actually going to be very, very different for a lot of people. But just um, to give a very quick kind of overview of what it is um, in maybe like modern day lifestyle, um, I think it's a practice that actually involves our physical body, um, our breath, and also our mind as well. So it's not just um, like an exercise by itself, but it's also something where we connect to our breathing pattern. Um, it's also something that allows us to connect to our thoughts as well. Okay. And would you agree with Dr. Hajit, or rather his wife, who's right, I'm sure, <laughs> that it is not just um, maybe an activity you do once a week, but it's an ultimate lifestyle change? Um, to me, it is. I think... The thing that a lot of people, uh, how a lot of people start off doing yoga is that they take it as a physical activity and then they do it maybe like once a week as an exercise. Um, but I think as time goes on, they will realize the different benefits of it and also um, like how it helps them in different aspects of their life. And I think that's why Dr. Hajit's um, wife was encouraging him to do it yeah. by saying that it's actually um, a total lifestyle change. Yeah. Um, how did you start doing yoga, Charmaine, and becoming an instructor as well? Um, 
I used to be really active in a lot of other sports and I used to really um, enjoy sports that are a little bit more high intensity. So I used to do Zumba and I used to rock climb and do a lot of other stuff. And yoga was like the last thing on my list that I wanted to do because my first impression of it was that it's an activity that is so slow paced and boring in some ways. Um, but eventually one of my friends um, who did yoga really frequently got me into um, just trying out one class. She basically just booked me into the class and then got me to try it out with her. Um, and after the class, I realized that it wasn't so boring and it wasn't so slow. In fact, it was physically pretty challenging. Um, and being someone who is active, I think that's kind of like what initially got me into doing it. Dr. Harjit, um, what do you think about that whole the physically challenging aspect? What is it about yoga um, that works out the musculoskeletal system? Okay, the, actually, the way I look at exercise is that uh, it depends on your button. Like uh, Charmaine actually rightly pointed out when she, she first started, exercise was that bang, 45 minute, high intensity, sweat, like uh, PIG. And then after that, you know, you cool down and you're done. Uh, but uh, it works very well for your cardiovascular fitness. Uh, you know, a lot of people run off to the gym and then they work on strength. But ultimately, you have to do a combination of all things. And I think when she picked up yoga, probably she found that, you know, the part where you work on the balance, you work uh, on your core, you get, get stronger using your own body weight, those kind of things, you know, it actually hit that right sweet spot to add on to whatever she was doing. Uh, I think... The challenge of finding it boring when you don't know much about it, I think it's real. So I've got, you know, uh, people who play uh, hockey and they get injured and I tell them, hey, this is an overused thing. Your flexibility is suspect. Maybe you get into yoga. They actually, I think, stopping short of slapping me. <laughs> they do everything else. They probably, you know, look at me like they want to run out the door. Uh, but then I've had a lot of them try out you know, these uh, low-impact uh, exercises or methods to exercise and uh, they do it constantly with an open mind and they find that, hey, it does help them in other ways. Mm -hmm. Have those hockey players come back to you and said, <laughs> you were right about the yoga? Uh, one did, one did, and I was actually very worried when he did that now. Because <laughs> the, jocks, the, the jocks normally don't tell you when you're right. <laughs> but that means it really was the lifestyle change for them. Um, but, you know, for somebody like Charmaine, when she was doing all the super high intensity stuff um, and anyone else in that situation, right, uh, would, and we know that those are the activities that have a high risk of injury as well, um, would doing yoga alongside it um, have possibly reduced the likelihood of injuries? Yeah, okay. So we can't tell it loudly that uh, high-intensity sport causes injuries. is bad for business. But <laughs> High risk. Okay. So having, having said that, okay, so you look at, uh, you know, um, any exercise which is high-intensity, it builds up uh, fitness in different aspects, muscle strength, endurance, cardiovascular, 
And we tend to forget that as we get stronger, our muscles tend to lose the flexibility and we need to then be mindful of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, if you look at uh, exercises which are low impact, they work on the flexibility a lot. So you take off the potential to get overuse injuries if you have this tendency to understand that these kind of exercises help also. So, yes, I think that if you mix and match, you tend to prevent injury. Uh, I think if you do the same exercise all the time, then you are prone to injuries anyway. Mm. Shamin, um, talk to us about how maybe different, you want to use examples of different yoga poses. Um, uh, But basically, how does yoga increase flexibility and build strength and core and balance and all of that? Um, how, how are you targeting different parts of the body? Okay, so for me, I feel that in really just modern day lifestyle, a lot of people spend very long hours sitting. So this is really targeting um, for that group that is a little bit more sedentary. Um, when they spend very long hours sitting, they tend to have their back rounded most of the time. So muscles on the back chain of the body tends to be a little weak because they're constantly in a long position. Um, in my yoga classes, I try to add in a little bit more work that strengthens the back body. Um, so that way, they could get a little bit more balance out of it. Um, in terms of for that group of people who are a little bit more active, like what Dr. Harjit mentioned earlier on, uh, my target is really to increase their range. Um, a lot of times when we play sports that are a little bit more high intensity, we tend to maybe sometimes have moments where we need to perhaps reach very far suddenly. Um, and I think that's where that additional range of motion that you can get by working um, through it would actually help. Mm. How does yoga increase strength? Um, in a yoga class, we typically go through a lot of poses where there's a little bit of time spent holding it. Um, and with that holding, it builds up a little bit of endurance and also builds up a lot of the smaller muscles that maybe a lot of other sports that actually don't build up. And I think with this... Um, strength that we've gained in all these smaller muscles so that actually helps to work on stability as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There are also a lot of poses where we are perhaps standing on one leg where we are working on balance Um, and I think all of these actually contributes to it as well. And you hear so much about the importance of the core. Mm. Can you explain a little bit about that? Um, okay, so when talking about the core, I think the biggest misconception that a lot of people have is that they think of they think of like the six packs, you know, the abs, and they think of all these kind of images that you often see on social media. Um, but in fact, the core is actually kind of like the midsection of the body, the trunk, basically, and it comprises of many, many different parts as well. We've got the front, we've got the back, we've got the sides, and we've also got the deep internal core muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, so in poses like planks and things like that, where we are required to actually stabilize the trunk. Um, those poses are going to work on actually those deep internal core muscles. And we also have a lot of different poses that works on different parts of the core as well, which is why um, I think through this practice, we can actually target that area. And, and why is breathing important? And, and those two things you mentioned earlier, breathing mm. and connection to the mind, mm. um, which is separate from what we've been talking about in terms of the physical engagement of it, right? Mm. But why is the breathing and that mental connection important? Um, so for me, I feel that like we spend so much time in our daily lives really kind of um, rushing through things. Um, a lot of us also have multiple roles that we play in our life. We have different responsibilities towards our families, um, at work. And then with all this attention focused on things going on around us, 
um, and maybe really rushing through things on a day-to-day basis, um, I feel that we don't spend enough time slowing down the breath. Um, and that part of it would be something that I would say we work a lot in a yoga class compared to other movement modalities. Mm. Um, and when it comes to breathing, I feel that it also really affects um, our mind as well. It affects the body's nervous system and it affects how we actually respond to things as well. So through the practice, if we're used to actually being able to focus on our breath, especially maybe during moments that can be a little bit challenging in class sometimes, like when you're holding your planks and you're thinking in your head, oh my God, I really hate this. Um, but then you get to actually over time um, focus on the breathing pattern that you have when you're holding these challenging moments and also connecting to the thoughts that are running in the head. Mm. And that awareness of being able to notice it, I think it's something that we can carry out of the mat. It's something that we can carry into our daily lives when we face similar challenges. All right. Let's go for a quick break and we will continue this discussion when we come back. Dr. Hajit Singh, consultant orthopedic surgeon on the show with me today, uh, together with Shamin Ang, a yoga instructor. And uh, this uh, today's episode of Be Fit Malaysians is looking at being flexible Malaysians um, through yoga. Uh, that's the focus of our discussion today. You can call us with your questions, 03-777-32900, WhatsApp 018-789-8899, or tweet us at BFM Radio. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik, and my guests for today's episode of Be Fit Malaysians, Dr. Hajit Singh, consultant orthopedic surgeon, and Charmaine Ang, a yoga instructor. Call us with your questions about yoga, whether you are, you know, a regular um, enthusiast uh, of yoga or whether you've never done it before or are thinking about it. Um, 03-7733-2900 is the number to call. You can also WhatsApp us at 018 Eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, Charmaine, I want to ask um, how intense can yoga get as you progress? Um, because mm. earlier you said you know you yourself had that misconception that it's boring, it's slow. Um, maybe people just do it for relaxation, um, but. How do how would you actually push your students to increase their intensity over time? Um, there are just many, many different types of yoga. And there are certain styles of yoga that are actually a little bit more um, restorative in nature. So those types of yoga tend to focus a little bit more on stretching, a little bit more on rest and relax, I would say. Um, and then there's that different type of yoga that focuses a little bit more on movement. Um, we've got our very common style of yoga called vinyasa yoga um, that is also typically labeled as like a flow-based yoga. Um, that type of yoga typically involves a lot more um, synchronization of the breath with movement. Um, and then we've also got other different types of yoga that um, could work a little bit more on holding poses. Mm-hmm. So those can feel very different um, as well. Um, they're all different in terms of intensity and they all have their own different challenges. When it comes to someone who has maybe been doing the same type of class for a while and they want to push themselves a little bit more, um, there are typically options offered during the class itself. Um, so I'm giving a situation where I'm teaching a typical flow class. 
um, as students move through plans, um, maybe then they would have their, we call this chaturanga, it's kind of like a push-up position where they bend their arms. Um, I would probably get someone new to do it if the knee selfers, and then as time progresses, um, as they feel that it gets a little easier, then they could perhaps do it if the knee's off to challenge themselves a little. And then there are also variations where you actually jump back directly into it as well, which could feel really, really different. Mm. But Dr. Hajit, with increasing intensity and pushing yourself, um, would come higher risk of injuries, I suppose. Um, how would you advise um, people to kind of know what, what's their acceptable range and when uh, something may indicate that they've sort of gone too far? Yeah, okay. So mm, I think that's an excellent question. And I really like your explanation, Shamin. I can probably add to that. Now, when we exercise, there are certain things that we want to work on. We work on our cardiovascular fitness. That means uh, how well our heart and lung function gets. Okay, that's clear. Second one, we work on our muscles. Um, and we want to get good muscle endurance. We want to get stronger and we want to be able to exercise at a particular intensity for a longer period of time. But what we normally forget of and what I think yoga is good at is the other things, the flexibility, uh, the balance part of it. And you need to combine everything to try and not prevent completely, but, but reduce your chance of injury. So the idea is it depends on where, where you're starting. If you are exercising regularly over a period of time, and when you start yoga, probably Shamin would not start you right at the, you know, right at the rock bottom. <laughs> uh, she would probably assess you and then you start. So if you get someone who knows what they are doing, you prevent the likelihood of getting injured very early from the word go. As your intensity increases, it depends on what your goals are. Some of us are happy once we reach a particular level, but some of us want to challenge ourselves and uh, move up to uh, more technical poses uh, and the more vigorous part of uh, yoga practices, the physical part of it. And doing so, you have to understand that, you know, um, the, the exercises that you currently do, you must be comfortable with them before you work on something on a more difficult uh, plane. So I think that's one way of pre preventing injury. Uh, the second thing is that uh, the fact that yoga is deliberate, slow movements, held postures, the chances of actually getting injured uh, is, is, is controlled as compared to the more intense exercises. Mm. However, there are patient groups that I always say, before you start, please be careful. You know, some of them, they have back problems uh, from the word go. They don't have good flexibility. There is some issues with the spine. Then I always tell them, hey, when you start, even something simple like yoga, please get someone who knows what they're doing and start slow. That's one. The second thing is some of them come with a lot of... Uh, shoulder issues, like Charmaine men mentioned, you know, we tend to exercise focusing on the bigger muscles around the joint. So the shoulder is the one that suffers a lot because the ones that actually stabilize the shoulder are the smaller muscles around that joint. Mm. So while we try and go to the gym and do big things, 
it's things if we are mindful and there are exercises which are you know non uh, contact uh, low intensity they build up the smaller muscles then you prevent injuries at the shoulder the one thing that i think maybe yoga is not good at is the cardiovascular part of it lah there are better things to do if you want to work on that uh, weight loss not so good really? if that soul game but if you want something wholesome i think i would go for it but i would mix it mix and match it shamin what um, would you do if a student says something hurts is pain uh, an indication you know something has gone wrong and how would you sort of like work with them after that hmm. okay i really like dr hajit's um, answer to the previous question because um, i resonate with a lot of the points that he has mentioned um, when we're talking about pain um, The thing is, a lot of people would actually experience pain in very different ways. But because I'm teaching mostly group classes, so when in a group class setting, I would always tell students at the start of the class, yoga would be challenging in some moments, but it shouldn't actually hurt you. Meaning that you shouldn't feel any kind of sharp pain when they're doing any of the poses. Um, and if they feel any kind of sharp pain, I would recommend that they come out of the pose. But also I think it's important to know at the start um, I also would usually brief something that is very similar to what Dr. Hajit has mentioned, which is if this is something new to you, if this is your first class, if the pose is something that you've never done before, approach it a little bit slower. Hmm. Um, take the easy option, see how you feel. And then, of course, you can always explore different other options throughout the class as well. All right. Uh, I just want to share a message from a listener um, who seems to know a lot about yoga. Yoga without breathing is just normal stretching exercises. Uh, when getting into a pose, take a deep breath and in the pose, let out the breath slowly. Um, it slows the pulse rate, calms the emotions. At the same time, the thoughts are on the body and the mind becomes becomes aware of the body in movement. Would you agree? I have to really agree with that because when I started doing yoga, I think I didn't really have that understanding because the first class that I jumped into Um, it wasn't like a level one introductory class. Um, it was a more intense class and there wasn't really a lot of focus on actually how to breathe as we are getting in and maybe coming out of the poses. Um, and I also kind of just treated it as mostly like a physical activity. It took a little bit of time to finally realize like, um, the difference that it made when we actually started to kind of connect it to our breaths. When we started to slow down our breaths as we go through those poses, Um, when we start to actually notice the thoughts that are occurring as well as mm. we go through those poses as well. Uh, we have another question uh, from Rajas. Uh, I think this is for you, Dr. Harjit. Rajas had a hernia operation in January of this year. Um, can I start yoga since it's already been six months since the open surgery? Okay, so now um, when we look at hernia, right, it depends on which part you had the operation on, whether it's the abdominal hernias or it was the inguinal hernias. There are many, many hernias. So actually, uh, where sports medicine is concerned, we tend to talk about the sports hernias, not the abdominal hernias. Those are then usually treated by the general surgeons. And it depends on what they do, whether they just repair it, whether they use a mesh, whether they did it endoscopically, or it's a completely an open surgery, or a mix of both. So normally, I get clearance from the surgeon before I actually uh, get involved in any kind of uh, exercise, whether it's low impact, no impact, or whatever that I do. 
Um, the reason being is that uh, sometimes the surgeon wouldn't know the kind of exercise. You tell them yoga and they will think that it's exactly what I used to think about before mm-hmm. my wife told me that it's a lifestyle change <laughs> and maybe what Shamin did. So um, sometimes I actually have patients showing me, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Then I say, okay, this one cannot laugh. Mm. Hold on, take a step back. No, these are for orthopedic conditions. Huh? Yeah. So even us as doctors, there are a lot of you know new things. Uh, I have friends who are now going into these spinning exercises, mm. <laughs> and that is super high intensity. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know it brings about some problems that we actually only see in books. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that when you are not sure to answer your question, get that doctor who treated you to just go on. Of course, there are timelines. Abdominal hernias, X amount of time, start slow, then you can work on your core and it builds up. But you tend to lose some tone of the muscles after surgery. So the doctor is the best to decide. Mm. Um, Charmaine, can you run through what are some other common mistakes that people make uh, either during yoga or, or when they are starting out? One of the biggest mistakes that most people make is that they will just jump into a random yoga class. Um, and the most common thing that I see is that actually usually friends or partners, um, having done yoga for a really long time and maybe doing a level two class, a more intense class, mm-hmm. um, getting their partner or their friend to actually join them for that class. And that partner or friend would be someone that's completely new to yoga and they'll hop into a class that is too intense. And then they'll come out of the class being really traumatized. And discouraged, yeah, right? and discouraged. Mm, yeah. So I think picking the right class from the start is really important. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, Maybe I can add to that. You yes. Know? Uh, mm, okay. So we tend to be a bit sore after any exercise, right? Mm. So mm. there's acute muscle soreness. The ones that we normally get, it's supposed to go away after a short period of time. Then there's also the delayed onset mm. muscle soreness, depending on the intensity. So that's the dangerous one. So when there is someone who exercises regularly and then they bring someone else in, and the guy gets, the person, the, the, the one who doesn't exercise gets very sore. Mm. First one will say, hey, this is nothing one lah. And <laughs> you, know, you tend to have a problem later on. So I think that what you say is very true. I see that also. You don't exercise much or you used to exercise a long time ago. And mm. when you start, yeah. you, you misjudge your level and you start very high. So you get, you get a, that's a big problem. Mm. And I think yoga suffers from that um, misconception. People think uh, that I'm just sort of stretching a little bit, yeah. right? And it's easy. Uh, but clearly, uh, everything that's been coming through in this conversation so far is you know yourself, uh, sort of know uh, your, your own strength and flexibility, know if you have any injuries as well before you jump into it. And that's what we'll talk about after the break. How do we get started? Uh, what are some do's and don'ts to keep in mind for people who want to try out yoga but call us with your questions and we've got a few that I'll address after the break as well um, call us at double seven double three two nine hundred. you can also whatsapp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio consultant orthopedic surgeon Dr. Hajit Singh and yoga instructor Shamin Ang on the show with me today stay tuned to Health and Living BFM 89.9 
Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik, and my guests, Dr. Harjit Singh, consultant orthopedic surgeon, and Charmaine Ang, yoga instructor. Yes, we are discussing yoga today, um, how it helps with physical fitness, flexibility, strength, but also with mindfulness and uh, just sort of being more aware and increasing that connection between our mind and our body. We have a question here from Evelyn. Um, Charmaine, I think this one's for you. Mm. Is it effective to start online yoga classes? Um, you know, Evelyn says she has such busy schedules. Mm. What do you think? So this is a very common question that I get from students who sometimes have schedules um, for their work that is a little bit more erratic. Um, there are always advantage and disadvantage, I would say, of doing online yoga classes. I teach both. I teach online yoga classes and I teach in-person yoga classes as well. The benefit of actually doing an online yoga class, um, if you are, say, watching a YouTube video um, or doing like a recorded video, mm -hmm. is that you get to pause the video at parts where you maybe um, are unsure about the movement. You get to repeat, you get to rewind and things like that. Um, the downside is that if it's a recorded video, the instructor might not be able to, see, wouldn't be able to see you. Um, if it's a Zoom class, the instructor would be able to see you. But the angle of like the camera and all could be a little challenging as well. So there's actually benefits and actually disadvantage to start off yoga um, online. My recommendation is always still to get the students to come in for at least a couple of physical classes. And then if after that, if they feel like, you know, the on online option works better, then they'll go ahead with the online option. Mm, all right. Uh, Dr. Hajit, we've got um, two questions here on WhatsApp which relate to can they do yoga? Uh, the first one is uh, somebody who has cervical radiculopathy. Can she do yoga? Okay, so um, cervical radiculopathy is a common symptom, meaning that you have pain at the neck coming down your upper limb. Now, um, you have to know why that's happening because it can range based on your age based on, the, based on the symptoms that you have, uh, whether it's just some simple wear and tear, uh, some posture issue, or it's a big cervical disc which is pressing on your cord or the nerve. Mm. Okay, so you need to get the diagnosis down to a pet. Now, if the diagnosis is predominantly something which is posture related, then conveying this to the yoga trainer would be a safe way to start. And you can start simple. If your symptoms get better uh, with that correction of posture, the smaller muscles are worked on and it improves, then well and good. If it does not or it gets worse, you have to stop the exercise that you are doing. So the take-home message is cervical radiculopathy is just the symptom. You need to know why it's happening, which can range from something simple as a bad posture, which is common. Those of us who are very sedentary and in front of the computer for hours. But it can also mean there is something more to this. So you need to get the diagnosis. Mm. But having said that, you can start after you get your diagnosis and it's nothing sinister. You can start on, but you start on slow and you watch your symptoms. Yep. Shamin, how would you uh, approach this and how would you guide your students mm. with something like this? So I want to add on to what Dr. Hajit say um, and emphasize on that part where he mentioned of like how the person 
who has a condition should actually pre-inform the instructor um, prior to the class. Um, the thing is that a lot of students um, often drop into class and then they get recommendations from, let's say, um, their doctor telling them, okay, um, go, and start, go and start some yoga, go and do some yoga. And then they randomly drop into like a powerful class. <laughs> and then... They Again, were, not choosing yeah, the right not level. Not choosing the right level of class. Um, and then sometimes they actually don't inform the condition prior to the class. Um, I think because it was recommended by a doctor, then in their head they will be thinking, okay, yoga is like the, you know, the solution to my problem right now. I'm just going to hop into a yoga class. So I think it's very important to understand like first the different types of yoga class and also openly discussing um, their conditions as well. And of course, um, you want to also find an experienced instructor that has maybe actually have... Um, a bit of exposure to the same condition. Um, and also, I think in a situation where the condition is a little bit more tricky, it will probably be better to engage actually a private um, instructor, like a one-on-one class. Mm-hmm. So that's important, right, Dr. Hajit, that healthcare professionals don't just say, off you go, do some yoga. <laughs> so, yeah, I okay, I, I, I take that. I take that. Because, <laughs> um, sometimes... Uh, we, okay, so sometimes we are guilty of <laughs> just saying you need to start exercising. Yes. <laughs> and then we we actually put a full stop to it <laughs> instead of having it as the preamble for a long discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, or yes, like what you had, you know, uh, we say, okay, you need to go and do yoga because we think that yoga is simple Right. Mm. So we just send them off then. okay, of course, then there are people like me who are more exposed to this. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that things are changing. You know, Uh, if you tell someone now in my practice that, hey, dude, you need to go and do some yoga. He will look at you. Okay, what do you mean? Because there is this, 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 this to yoga because they do their reading. They come with papers. And, you know, where do I go? Do I need to do a one-on-one? They straight away ask you whether it's okay to do it online. So, you know, you need to be very, very Mm. prepared. And, you know, being a modern doctor is that you have to keep up to date. Yeah. I think that these kind of situations are becoming, um, uh, I mean, it's not so often anymore. They do happen. Mm. But, you know, when the patient comes back after, you told me to go and do yoga. I went there and, you know, there was this hot yoga going on and now I'm spinning all around. Okay, what do you mean by yoga? Then you will like go home and you will check. Hey, there's so much to yoga than just mm. that, you see. So I think what you say is, is, is very practical. I think you always start slow, start safe, communicate properly. So when I'm going to send someone to do something very specific, I sometimes give the option of the trainer to actually communicate with me. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it with a yoga trainer, but anyone I'm sending to, the, to a gym after, you know, rehabilitating him in-house, mm-hmm. I always, they always have the, uh, I mean, the ability to be in communication with me for from the start. Mm, that's wonderful. And that's what yep. I do. Um, before I get to sort of those different types of yoga and how to choose them, uh, the other question from a listener was, um, if I'm taking medication for hypertension, can I do yoga? Dr. Hajit? Yeah, I think, you see, I, if your hypertension is well controlled, I think yoga is a well, it's a good way to start exercising. Of course, certain postures, you know, if you're going to hold for a longer period of time, of course, when you communicate to your 
trainer, they they would probably ask you to hold it for a shorter period of time. Mm. The idea is, my thinking is that yoga is gentler to start with. And the most important thing is that your medical condition should be controlled well. Mm-hmm. And then off you go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if we're talking about somebody starting yoga, Shamin, um, who can actually do it? Uh, in terms of the person starting or like yeah. the type of instructor? No, the person starting. Uh, I would say yoga is actually like what we've talked about. It's actually considered like the mildest form of physical activity. So I would say it's actually pretty accessible to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, unless the person has previous injuries, then they might want to actually seek out an instructor that can cater the class to them. Um, unless the person is a little bit on the elderly side, then they might want to choose a different type of yoga class as well. Um, so at the end of the day, it still boils down to choosing the right class um, to cater to their condition. But what about the right type, right? Because mm. we've mentioned vinyasa, mm, hatha, mm, mm, mm. hot. Uh, so how do you decide mm. what's right for you? Okay, so that's a really good question. Um, because the nature of vinyasa is that it's a little bit more flow-based and we don't actually hold each pose as long. There's it's a little bit more um, transitions between poses. Mm-hmm. It is pretty difficult to kind of get people into the shape, um, I would say. So if someone is really new to yoga, I would recommend actually joining like a hatha style yoga. Because in hatha style yoga, you actually hold the poses a little longer. And I think that gives a little bit of time for the body to kind of learn the movement itself. Um, apart from that, there will always also be a lot of classes that are labeled as like maybe like a 101 yoga or like a foundations class. Um, then those are the classes that are suitable for those who are trying it out for the first time. What's hot yoga? Um, hot yoga is actually yoga class done in a heated room. So the room is so literally hot. It's literally hot. I used to teach hot yoga <laughs> and it can be as hot as a sauna. Okay. So it is very physically demanding because you are moving and the moment you are moving, you are breathing a little bit heavier and coupled with the heat, it could be really physically demanding. Okay, so that's really not for everyone, right? Um, yeah, it, yeah okay. I would say so. Um, uh, I, yes. I, I can add to that. If yes. you are doing hot yoga, make sure you are watching your hydration. Yep. <laughs> Because that's, that's a big disaster there. Absolutely. Uh, but if you look at age, right, uh, it depends on what you're looking for from the exercise that you do. So if, you know, uh, I'm, if, if you're someone older and your button is, you want to prevent a fall and you want to develop your balance, mm-hmm. yoga is fantastic for that. Mm. Okay, but as we age, we tend to lose our bone density, mm. okay? So we are going into osteopenic or osteoporosis where mm. architecture is changing and by convention, to keep that, you need to do weight-bearing exercises, which I think yoga doesn't offer as well as other things. Now, if you are a young, active, very aggressive exerciser, then I normally use yoga to ensure that my flexibility keeps up with my other you know other things that i do mm-hmm. but it depends uh, you you can you can mix and match but your goal you have to decide what what you're going to do it for mm. but your thing they can advise you but it does sound like at the end of the day um yoga is part of a bigger picture is that right Shamin? Mm, yeah it is it is yeah and what do you think dr hajit 
Oh, you know, I, I I was just stuck the moment said you said the bigger picture, and then there was yoga is the bigger picture. Yes, that's right. It's, you see what oh, I did there. <laughs> okay, so let me get out of there. No, I I feel that, um, you know, like I told you, I couldn't join you all at the studio because I had something that came in and I had to attend to it patient wise. Mm-hmm. Um. Sometimes you need uh, your own time, right? Then I was mumbling and telling you I have to detach sometimes. So I think yoga, technically, if it's not a group class mm. and you're not in competition with the person beside you, then it's your own time. So you're exercising and it's you're, you're watching the way you do it. You're taking and, and it's in tandem with your breath. You release your mind and then that's your time. Mm. That's your time. Uh, so I think yes, it's something more than just physical exercise. Mm. Uh, one last, uh, more practical question here: Might a forward fold cause pressure to the eyes or cause too much blood to rush to the head? Um, Shamin, um, for forward folds, especially when standing, the head is typically down. Um, and for certain people with some conditions, let's say if someone has really low blood pressure. They can actually feel dizzy when they're doing that. So um, that's why it's important to really notice how they feel along the way. Mm. Um, and that's typically the thing that I always communicate in almost every of my class at the start of the class. All right. So that when students actually feel uncomfortable in certain poses, they know how to actually gradually come out of it. All right. A final message from each of you, Charmaine? Uh, final message. I would really want to encourage people to try out things that they have never done before. Um, doesn't only apply to yoga, but a lot of other things as well. So that if they have that perception that maybe, like what I had when I first started, that yoga is slow, um, they would actually be a little bit more open to try it out and then see how it works for them as well. All right. Dr. Hajit? Yeah, for me, is that just move lah. It doesn't yeah. really matter how you move. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what fits your button fits your time. Mm-hmm. But I, everyone needs to understand it's not only working the heart and the lung it's and, and the muscles. It's also working the mind and fitting everything mm-hmm. and doing it safely. I think that's most important. Dr. Hajit, you already sound like a yoga convert. So I'm pretty sure after <laughs> this, <laughs> you are going no, to go no, home no, and tell no, your I'm wife no, that I'm you're not, ready I'm for not. a class. I, I still only cycle and uh, recently I've been struggling with the loss of flexibility. So I'm looking, looking at there other things. There you go. Yoga is the answer. I'm going to tell your wife that you're all ready to go. Dr. Hajit Singh, consultant, orthopedic surgeon and Shamin Ang, yoga instructor right here on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.